to just um, be able to look at this Bible series. We're going to go verse by verse through the latter part of Acts chapter number 8. And I pray you'd help all of us to be able to pay attention, to learn something from your word. There's so much good doctrine in, in Acts 8, Lord, and I pray you'd help us to just learn that tonight. We love you, Lord, and your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, if you look there, uh, look down at verse number 26. Uh, we, we preached the first part of Acts chapter number 8 last week. So we won't go through it again. But in the, the whole chapter has to do with, with the deacon Philip. But in verse 26, we kind of get into a different story. And the Bible says in verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. So Philip, uh, the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip. And he says, if you look at, continue there in the verse, that saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So the angel of the Lord appears to Philip. He tells him, I want you to go to the certain place. If you look at verse 27, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So in verse 27, I'm sorry, in verse 26, the angel tells Philip, I want you to go to a certain place. Philip says, yes sir. He continues to travel down that way. As he goes down there, the Bible says he uh, met a man, an Ethiopian, an eunuch, of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So she, he finds this man. And this man is not from Israel, is not from, from, from the nation there. He's from Ethiopia. And he's there for to worship, is what the Bible says. And he is uh, a man of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, if you notice there, it says that he's a eunuch. A eunuch, just for your information, just so you understand. A eunuch is someone in the Bible who has been uh, castrated. And uh, a male who's been castrated. And in these this time frame of the world whenever there was a man who was going to be serving alongside with like someone of royalty who was a female, a woman. For example, in this case, uh, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh, they would take those men who were going to serve with, with the queen or going to serve with some sort of a princess or a high authority uh, woman and they would uh, castrate them in order to uh, be able to make sure that there was no rumors spread or that there was nothing going on, you know, uh, that there was no uh, temptation there for them uh, to do anything to the queen or anything like that. So that's a very common thing. And it's not a good thing. It's not, a, you know, obviously it's a, it's, it's a wicked thing that they did, but it's something they did. And this was who this man was. He was a, he was a very great authority. He, he worked very closely with Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. At this time in, in the world history, Ethiopia is not the Ethiopia of today. It's a very rich, very uh, wealthy, very powerful nation. And this man has become a eunuch uh, to be able to work with, with this queen there. He's a man of great authority, is what the Bible says. And he was at Jerusalem for to worship. But if you look at verse 28, the Bible says he was returning... And sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. That, if you see that spelling there, that's just the New Testament spelling of the name Isaiah in the Old Testament. So he's reading the book of Isaiah, which is one of the prophets there in the Old Testament. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither to him. And it's interesting to me, you know, he, this man's in a chariot being, you know, uh, led by horses. And uh, here comes Philip, and he's running up to this chariot. The Bible says, and Philip ran hither to him. And, and as he was running alongside this chariot, the Bible says, he heard him read Isaiah the prophet. 
and said, and, and notice, Philip asked the Ethiopian a very specific question. He says, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now we got to understand the context. This man is an unsaved man reading the Bible, and Philip asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And notice what the Ethiopian answered in verse number 31. He, the Bible says, And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, you know, at Verity Baptist Church, we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. We believe that God has given us His Word, inspired, preserved. Uh, and we believe that God has given us everything that we must know about life, about doctrine, about anything. It, the answers are in the Bible. Whenever God gives us a story in the Bible, we can learn from that story. We can uh, understand principles or doctrines from that story. And one thing that we can understand from the story, just right off the bat, is this. And there are those who believe, and I would disagree based on this, there are people who believe, or they will tell you, that they got saved simply by reading the Bible. People will say, you know, I used to be unsaved, I used to be an unbeliever, and I, you know, I, I grabbed the Bible, and I started reading it, and I just got saved. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. In fact, that is not possible. No one has ever got saved by simply just reading the Bible. You've, we've got an organization called the Gideons. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're, they have a mission where all they do is they pass out Bibles. They put Bibles in hotel rooms. They put they get, when I remember when I was in the military and I was being deployed, they handed me a Bible as I was leaving the country. And they have this, or, you know, their entire mission is just put the Word of God in people's hands. And they have this idea that if they give people the Bible, that unsaved people are going to open up the Bible, read the Bible, and get saved. And I'm here to tell you, that's not true. There's no way that could happen, and I'm going to prove that to you from the Bible. Point number one is here. This Ethiopian is reading the book of Isaiah. He's there to worship. He's there to do something religious. He's reading the Bible. He's interested in what the Bible says. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I except some man should guide me? Now keep your finger there in Acts chapter number 8 and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians is the very next... Um, book after after uh, Romans, if you go to Acts, then you have the book of Romans, then you've got 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and look at verse number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and look at verse number 14. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, but the natural man, that's the, the natural man is referring to an unsaved person. The contrast is the natural man versus the spiritual man. And in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Bible says, But the natural man, notice what it says, Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible, let me read that again, because that's a very important verse. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible teaches that this book right here is a spiritual book, and a natural man cannot take a spiritual book and understand. If you take an unsaved person and give them the Bible and they begin to read it, they will not understand it. They will not comprehend it. They will not get it. It is not until the moment that a person gets saved, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God begins, uh, you know, moves in and they get indwelled by the Spirit of God. At that moment, the Bible teaches that when that Spirit of God is inside of you, then He will begin to guide you and teach you all things from this book. You, at any Christian who's saved. 
today can open up the Bible and, and begin reading it, and they'll understand it, and they'll learn it, and they'll teach it. Now look, you won't understand all of it, you know, and nobody will understand all of it. You, you know, you'll read your Bible cover to cover, you know, hundreds of times and still find something new. And still find something fresh in it. But an, uh, a saved person can read the Bible on their own and begin to learn it. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you. In, in the book of John, I won't take time to go there. But if you remember in the book of John, when Jesus resurrected from the grave, He uh, he breathed on His disciples and He said, Receive ye the Spirit. And if you compare that uh, to another reference in gospel and the, the rest of the Gospels, you'll find that at that same appearance... When Jesus appeared to them and gave them the Spirit, the Bible says in another gospel, it doesn't mention that they received the Spirit, but it says that the scales came off their eyes and they were able to understand the Scriptures. Why was that? Because they got the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is what guides you and leads you in this book, in this spiritual thing. But an unsaved person, you cannot have a New Testament, a Romans, a, 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 you know, a Romans or a, a John to an unsaved person, expect them to read and get saved. They will not get saved because a natural man cannot understand spiritual things. That's why we've got so many weird doctrines. You know, that's why I was talking to somebody on the phone, uh, and we we're talking about how how silly these un you know these false religions are. For example, the Catholic Church. You know, you go you go to the Lord's Prayer in the Bible, and you know it says, "Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done." If you read literally the verse right before that, you know, just a few verses right before that, Jesus is talking about. You know, his disciples said, teach us to pray. And Jesus says to the disciples, you know, you shouldn't pray vain and repetitious prayers. He says, let me teach you how you should pray. And he gives them that example. And he says, I don't want you to read. You know, I don't want you to pray vain and repetitious prayers. He said, like the heathen do. He said, you should pray in this manner. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And what do the Catholics do? They take the prayer that Jesus Christ told them. It, right when he told them not to repeat it, vainly and repetitiously, they take that prayer and what do they do with it? They repeat it. Vain, you know, and you think to yourself, how can somebody read the Bible? Jesus Christ just said, I don't want you to pray vain and repetitious prayers. That's what the heathen do. I want you to pray this way. Let me give you an example. He gives you an example. And then they come along and they take that prayer and they say, oh, let's pray this vainly and repetitiously. And you think, how is that? Well, here's how it is. How is it that people can, you know, how is it the Mormons? Well, look at the Bible and they'll somehow come up with the fact that Jesus and the devil are brothers. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it's pretty clear in the scriptures that Jesus is God. And that Jesus created all things. And that He's not a sibling to the devil. But you know, you come up with all these weird heresies and doctrines because these people are unsaved. They cannot understand the Bible. They cannot discern the Bible. They open up the Bible and they come up with all sorts of weird garbage that's not found in the scripture. Why? Because they're not saved. And an unsaved man cannot take the Bible. Whenever somebody says to me, I got saved because I was reading the Bible, I think to myself, number one, you're not telling me the whole story. Or number two, you're not saved. Because the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible says you are spiritually discerned. You cannot understand the Bible until you get saved. Go back to Acts chapter number 8. You say, so how, how can any unsaved person get saved if they can't understand the Bible? Well, here's how they can understand the Bible. Somebody explains it to them. Notice what he said. And he, look at verse 31. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? 
And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So, Philip who was saved, Philip who does have the Holy Spirit, Philip who does understand the Scriptures, can then go to this unsaved eunuch, explain to him the Scriptures, and then this eunuch can get saved. See, here's the thing. If I believed that I could hand out Bibles and people would get saved, I'd never go soul winning. I just give Bibles away. I just stand in front of Walmart and give people Bibles. I just go to every hotel room and put a Bible in, in, in the, you know, next to the bed. I, I would go uh, over to where the people are getting deployed and hand them Bible. That's what I do if I thought that, that would get them saved, but that won't get anybody saved. You say, what will get somebody saved? Explaining the gospel to somebody. Preaching the gospel to somebody. Taking your Bible, opening up the verses, reading it to them, and then explaining it to them so they can understand it. Because until the moment they get saved, they cannot understand it. You can read them the Bible till you're blue in the face, and they won't understand it. They won't get it. See, it's an attack on soul winning when we believe. And that's why, you know, uh, passing out tracts is useless. I don't know if you know that. You say, well, we, we've got these church invitations. I understand we have the church invitations. That's fine. The church invitations for me, you know what it is for me? It's, it's how to break the ice. I knock on a door. Hi, I'd like to invite you to church. Here you go. But you know what I'd really like to do? Is explain the gospel to you. You know, you go out so with me. You're, you're fine. I'll knock on a door. Someone will open. I'll say, hi, I'm from Verity Baptist Church. I'd like to give you... I don't have one with me out there back there. I'd like to give you an invitation to Verity Baptist Church. They'll say, oh, thank you so much. You know, and if they don't slam the door in my face or say I'm not interested, I say, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you know for sure if you die today, would you go to heaven? That's what I'm there for. I'm there to give them the gospel. The church is just an icebreaker. The church is, you know, the invitation to church is just so they don't think some weirdo just knock on their door. But just, you know, people have this idea. If we just hand out tracts. Because they'll put the gospel on the back. They'll put the verse on. We just had a track. The people will get saved by reading a track. No one will get saved by reading. No one has ever got saved by reading a track. The only time, and here's the only, and here's the only, you know, the only time somebody legitimately gets saved from reading a track or getting the gospel, here's the only time it ever happens when someone has already explained the gospel to them. Now, oftentimes someone will tell me, uh, oh, I got saved reading the Bible. And I'll dig a little further and I'll find out, wait, well, my, well, my grandmother used to preach the gospel to me when I was a little kid. Well, yeah, someone explained it to you. So, yeah, of course you understand it when you read it. But no one just never heard about Jesus, never heard about God, never heard anything. Open up the Bible and got saved. Never happened. If you say, well, I got saved in the Bible, you're not telling me, you know, that your mom preached it to you or your grandma preached it to you or your pastor preached it or you used to go to Sunday school when you were a kid. You're not explaining the fact that somebody did explain it to you. You know, you're leaving that part out. So, and if no one explained it to you, then you didn't get saved. Because nobody can get saved without the gospel. But look at verse number 34. Well, let's keep reading. Uh, verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now, this is, an, uh, th- this is a quotation from the book of Isaiah. And he's specifically reading, and we won't take time to go through it, but if, if you're interested, he's reading out of Isaiah chapter number 53, verses 7 through 8. Isaiah 53, 7 through 8. You can go back to Isaiah in your own time and read it if you'd like. That's what he's reading, and that's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Let's read those verses again. This is a prophecy thousands of years ago before of Jesus Christ about this. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He, referring to Jesus, it's a prophecy of Jesus, was led as a sheep to the slaughter, referring to the cross. And like a lamb dumb before his shears, he opened, opened he not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So they're reading this prophecy of Jesus. And if you look at verse 34, eunuch has a question. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee. So the word pray there means to ask. And he's saying, I'm, I'm asking you, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? So the prophecy there is about Jesus Christ dying. And the eunuch is asking Philip. See, the eunuch doesn't understand the scriptures. And the eunuch is asking Philip, he's saying, is the prophet Isaiah saying that this is going to happen to him? Or he's saying this is going to happen to somebody else? Look at verse 35. The Philip, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now I want you to see the characteristics of soul winning. If you look at verse 34, you have, uh, it says, and the eunuch. This is what you need for soul winning. Number one, you need a sinner. And the eunuch. You need a lost person. The eunuch was unsaved. The eunuch was the sinner. If you look at verse 35, it says, then Philip. Here's the next priority for someone to get saved, you need a soul winner. You need a Christian to guide them in the truth. You need, whether it's a grandmother, whether it's a mother, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a soul winner, you need somebody to explain to them the gospel. They cannot get saved by reading a tract. They cannot get saved by reading the Bible. They need somebody to explain it to them. And then not only that, you need the sinner, you need the soul winner, but of course you need the Savior. Look at verse 34 again. He says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? That other man, that's the Savior. Because in verse 35, it says, And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him. What did he preach unto him? Get baptized, get saved, you know, come to church, put money in the office. He just preached Jesus. Say, what do we need to get somebody saved? You need a sinner, you need a soul winner, and you need the Savior. That's all you need. You need a soul winner to explain to a sinner about the Savior. That's what the Gospel is. But here's the problem. If you look at verse number... Go back to verse 26. You say, that seems pretty simple. Soul winning. You know, you just need a a sinner. we got lots of those. You need a soul winner. Well, we could have lots of those. People were willing. And we need a Savior. Hey, we got one ready and available. So what's the problem? The problem is, often, the soul winner. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord, by the way, and we'll keep reading there, the eunuch gets saved. But if you look at verse 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem. So the angel of God, God sent a message to Philip, saying, Philip, I want you to go. Now what if Philip would have said, No. Would the eunuch ever got saved? No. The eunuch never would have got Because he was already reading the Bible and he didn't understand it. He didn't understand who the Savior was. He didn't understand who Jesus was. He didn't understand the prophet was talking about himself or some other man. He said, I don't get this. I don't get this. And that eunuch would have gone down the road, gone on his merry way, gone into Ethiopia, never heard about Jesus Christ, never heard the gospel, never would have got saved if Philip would have decided not to go. But here's the difference. Why did he get saved? Because Philip went. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We were already in 1 Corinthians, so you should be able to get back there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, look at verse number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, look at verse number 5. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 says this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse 5. Paul is speaking. 
And he says to the Corinthians who are arguing about leaders, Paul and Apollos. And if you look at verse 5, Paul says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? Notice what he says. But ministers by whom ye believed. And I want you to see the last phrase of verse number 5. He says, Even as the Lord gave to every man. Do you see that? Isn't that interesting? Let me read that again. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed. Notice what he says. Even. That word even means in the same way as the Lord gave to every man. See, Paul is saying, look, Paul, you know, because Paul's a famous preacher at this time. saying, Paul is no one. Apollos, another famous preacher. He said, look, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? He said, they're just ministers. They're just preachers. He said, like the Lord gave to every man. You know what that verse tells me? You know, people often ask this question. What about, uh, you know, so-and-so in the Amazon? What about so-and-so in Africa? You know, what about this? You know, the Bible says that God gave every man a minister by whom he would believe. Do you see that? I mean, look at this. God is not an unrighteous God. The Bible says, even as the Lord gave to every man. The Bible says that God gave every man a Paul. God gave every man an Apollos. God gave every man a minister by whom he believed. You say, well, why is it that not everybody's getting saved? Why is it that so many thousand people are dying in the world? Here's the problem. God has given a minister to every man, but not every minister has God. God gave the eunuch Philip, but Philip had a choice whether he would go or whether he would stay. And the sad part is that most Christians today, when they've heard the Great Commission, when they've heard, go ye therefore into the, all the world, when they've heard Jesus Christ say, and the angel of the Lord say, go, they decide not to go. And people are dying and going to hell. Because God has given every one of us someone to give the gospel to. I mean, wouldn't it be sad to get to heaven and realize God had for me, plan to give so and so the gospel to give so and so the gospel to give so and so gospel, but I just never went. I just never met those people. I just never talked to those people because I heard the angel say go, but I just didn't go. See, the eunuch got saved because Philip went because Philip was there to be able to preach the Savior to the sinner. The soul winner was there. There was there there was salvation. Philip's obedience resulted in salvation. So, people often say, you know, if someone ever says to me, uh, oh, what, what about the, the people in, uh, in, in the Amazon? You know, and, and they'll usually say, like, like they don't want to go so winning. They say, I can't believe that heaven and hell stuff. What about the people in the Amazon? I, I think to myself, man, if you're burdened about the people in the Amazon, maybe God's calling you to the Amazon. Maybe God wants you to go to the Amazon. Maybe God wants you to be that minister. Maybe God put it on your heart because He wants you to go. Are you going to go? See, God is not unfair. God is not unjust. God has given a minister to every man. But some people are fortunate enough to have a minister who will obey. And some people got the minister that was lazy. And they'll never hear the gospel. Go back to Acts chapter number 8. Look at verse number... Where did we leave off there? Look at verse number uh, 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture to preach unto Jesus. And as they went on their way, because remember, they're riding on this chariot, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So, the word hinder there means to, uh, you know, someone t- to stop you. So, so he immediately, he says, here's water. What's stopping me? What's hindering me from getting baptized? 
Look at verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now I want you to keep your finger there in Acts chapter number 8 and verse 37. And we're going to be comparing a couple verses. But go with me to Romans chapter number 10. The Romans the very next book after Acts. Romans chapter number 10, look at verse number 9. Romans chapter number 10, look at verse number 9. Romans 10.9 is a verse that I show everyone whenever I'm giving them the gospel. Romans chapter number 10 and verse 9 teaches you how to get saved. And notice the qualifications for salvation. Romans 10.9 says this, That's if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That word confess there means to admit. And God says if you would open your mouth and confess or admit the Lord Jesus, but not just that, He says, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Notice what he says. Thou shalt be saved. So according to the Bible, you get saved the moment you believe in your heart and you open your mouth and confess that the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 37. Did the eunuch get saved? Look what he says. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart. Does that sound familiar? Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God is raised from the dead. So Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And notice what the eunuchs did. And he answered. So he opened his mouth and said, Notice what he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he said, the word Christ there, you know, to us, we think Jesus Christ, we think that's his name. The word Christ there means Messiah. Uh, I won't take time to go there now, but if you go to John chapter number 1 and verse 41, or John chapter number 4 and verse 25, it's very clear that the word Christ means Messiah. The word Messiah means the one who was going to come to give us salvation. And the Son of God, he's talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. So when he made that statement, he said, I believe. He was saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus Christ is, is the one who is going to come to bring us salvation and I believe that he is the son of God or that he came from God or that he was uh, begotten of God so he made this statement he confessed with his mouth he believed in his heart he got saved very clear isn't it said and Philip said if thou believest all in thy heart thou mayest and he said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God verse 38 and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So I want you to see there, what is the uh, one thing that will hinder you from getting baptized? Here's, here's the one uh, qualifying thing that must be done before somebody can get baptized, is they must get saved. He said, what does hinder me to be baptized? That was his question. What is stopping me from getting baptized? And the answer was, if thou believest, thou mayest. So you must believe to get saved. Now look, I've got here, uh, and I don't want to take too much time to do this because I've showed it before, but I've got here the New International Version of the Bible. You know, if you, you, you've often maybe heard me talk about how we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. It's perfect. There's no error in it. You say, well, why is that? Well, let me give you an example. The New International Version of the Bible, this is the most famous new version. You know, uh, aside from the King James Bible, if you know, 99% of churches in America are using the New International Version. There's other ones. Uh, there's the Revised Standard Version. There's the American Standard Version. There's a, uh, you know, whatever standard and whatever. There's a lot of them, but this is for the most popular. And, and a lot of them do this. Let me, sh- let me read for you uh, uh, 
Acts chapter number 8 and verse 36. Now you read down verse number 36. And you read along in your King James Bible as I read out of the uh, New International Version. Or uh, I like to call it the non-inspired version. And you read along and tell me what's missing. Alright, I'll begin reading at verse number 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. What was missing? Verse 37. You say, wait, wait, what, they, what happened? Well, here's what happened. The New International Version decided to omit verse number 37. And if you look at it, and I, you know, I won't pass this around or anything, but if you want to look at it after the service, you can. I highlighted it. It goes, it says, verse 34, verse 35, Verse 36, verse 38. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even change the numbers. It removed verse 37. And it re- what did it remove? When it removed 37, what did it remove? Verse 36, the eunuch answers, you know, asks the question, what's hindering me from getting baptized? Verse 38, they're getting baptized. What did it remove? Salvation. It removes salvation. You say, why do they do that? Well, here's why they do that. Because the Catholic wants to baptize a baby that can't believe. Well, they can't use, do that with the King James Bible. Because the King James Bible says you've got to believe. But they can do it with the NIV. So why do they do that? Because the Pentecostal wants to tell you that you must get baptized in order to get saved. Not vice versa. You get saved, then you get baptized. Well, they can't teach you that from the King James Bible. Because the King James Bible is very clear. You must believe before you get baptized. But they can do it out of this thing. See, people change the scriptures to fit their doctrine. We are not come to the, you know, we are not be looking for the Bible of the Month Club and looking for a Bible in order to fit it, uh, in order for it to say what I want. We ought to come to the Bible, and that's why we preach to the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because then there's no agenda. Then there's no, there's no, you know, preconceived idea. We're just going and studying the scripture word by word, and what it says is what we believe. This King James Bible has been around for 400 years. This thing's been around since the 60s. Tell me what you think God has been using. See, and this is why we must understand. What do they admit? And the NIV systematically, I preached an entire sermon on it, so I'm not going to take time to do it. But it seems like it systematically, when it chooses to omit, and that's not the only verse it omits, by the way. It omits thousands of verses. It removes every reference of hell. It removes the deity of Jesus Christ. It removes verses that talk about the Jesus being the only begotten singer. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That word begotten means that He came from Himself. You know, uh, you, I, I have begotten sons. Though my sons actually came from me. You know, I, if I had an adopted son, He'd still be my son, but He didn't come from me. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the John 3.16 said. The only begotten Son. That means He came from God. That means the same blood, the same genes, the same everything. He, he came from God. The NIV changes this to the only, the only Son of God. Takes away begotten. And, and it puts in this false doctrine, the only Son of God. No, wait a minute. I'm, I'm a Son of God. You're a Son of God. You're a daughter of God. Jesus, God doesn't have one Son. He has many sons. He has many daughters. He only ha- but He only has one begotten son. I'm an adopted son. You see what I'm saying? You change doctrines when you mess with words. And these new verses, that's why we only preach out of the King James Bible. That's why the King James Bible is our 
uh, is what we use in all matters of faith and practice. It's what we believe is God's word. It's perfect and is inspired. And these other versions are a bunch of trash. They're a bunch of garbage. And that's a perfect example there. They removed... It seems like they're always attacking Jesus Christ. They removed verse 37. They're not even ashamed of it. But uh, we're almost done. I just want you to see one more thing. Look at verse 38. And he commanded the chariots to stand still. And they went... I want you to make note of these words. They went down both into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. The Bible says they went down both into the water. Now go with me please to John chapter number 3. You're there in Acts. The book right before it is John. You've got John, then you've got Acts. John chapter number 3. Look at verse number 23. John chapter number 3, and look at verse number 23. Actually, before we look at John 3.23, keep your finger there in John 3.23, and go with me to Mark chapter number 1. You're the, you're, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So go to Mark chapter number 1, and look at, but keep your finger there in John 3, because we'll go back to that right, right after this. Look at John chapter, Mark chapter number 1, and look at verse number 9. Mark chapter number 1, look at verse number 9. We have here the example of when Jesus Christ Himself was baptized. Notice what it says. Mark chapter number 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. Notice what it says in verse 10. And he straightway, notice what it says, coming up out of the water. He saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. So the Bible says when Jesus got baptized, he came up out of the water. Well, in order to come up out of the water, what do you have to do first? Go down into the water. Acts chapter number 8, it says that they both went down into the water. Go, go to John chapter number 3, look at verse number 23. John chapter number 3, look at verse number 23. Bible says in John 3, 23, And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because, notice what it says, he was baptizing in Anan near Salem. John chapter number 3 and verse number 23. Because, here's the reason he chose that location. Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So why did John choose that place? Because there was much water there. He might have chose a place that was more inconvenient. He might have chose a place that was harder to get to. He might have chose, it might have been easier to meet somewhere else. But he chose that location. Why? Because there was much water there. Why did he need much water? Because according to the Bible, when you get baptized, you go down into the water and you come down out of the water. You know, we baptized Deborah on Sunday. And what happened when she got baptized? She went down into the water and she came up out of the water. Where did we get that from? The Bible. You say, well, why are you preaching that? Because there are some religions who don't believe in immersion or baptism water. They believe in taking water and sprinkling somebody. Now, why would John need a lot of water if all he was going to say is take some water and just sprinkle it over somebody? Why would John need a little, you know, I mean, uh, good night, I, I would love to be able to baptize. Like, I'd, I'd love to take a spray bottle, and on Sunday after church, as people are walking out the door, just pray them. I count all of them as a baptism. You got baptized, you got baptized, I baptize you every week. Just, just run out of water, spit on you. I mean, that's not baptism. Baptism is going down into the water and coming up. You see, and there's what you got to understand. You must decide when you come to church, if you're going to go to a church and going to listen to a preacher who's going to believe what the Bible says and back it up with the Scriptures. See, I can show you from the Bible why we do the things we do. Now, why do they want to baptize babies? 
Because they believe that you must be baptized to get saved. Why do they believe that you must be baptized to be saved? Why don't they understand that you must be saved before you get baptized? Because they're not reading the King James Bible. See, it's all one big circle. It's all, it's all, we, we must study God's Word and get our doctrine from God's Word. Let me show you one more thing about baptism we'll be done. Go back to Acts, but go to, go to Acts chapter number 16. Go to Acts chapter number 16. We'll, we'll be done here. Acts chapter number 16. Look at verse number 33. Acts chapter number 16. Look at verse number 33. We're Baptist and we believe in water baptism, immersion, going down into the water. And I've explained this before, but you know, and the reason is because there's a picture there. When you're standing in the water and the water is up to you about your waist or whatever, that's a picture of the cross. When you go down into the water, that's a picture of Jesus when he was buried. And when you come up out of the water, that's a picture of when he resurrected from the grave. What you're saying when you get baptized is that you believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the grave. You don't get that when you sprinkle somebody. You just, you just lost the meaning there. Go to, go to Acts chapter number 16. Look at verse number 33. Acts chapter number 16 and verse 33. Uh, actually, let, let's let's start reading at verse number. Um, let's just start reading at verse number twenty-five, Acts sixteen twenty-five. Paul and Silas are imprisoned, and the Bible says in verse twenty-five, you know, they're preaching the word of God. They get thrown in prison. The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I like that about Paul and Silas. You know, you and I, if we got in prison, we'd be depressed and sad and blaming God. They're just happy. They're just singing songs and praising God. Look at verse 26. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. So you got to understand what's going on here. In this time frame, a Roman guard, if you, if you were given the charge to guard people in prison, and anybody got away, the, the rule was, if they, their life or your life. So if someone got away, then, then we're going to kill you. And what happened was, this, guy, this prison, prison guard was just sleeping there, Paul and Silas have been singing songs, they've been preaching, they've been quoting the Bible, you know, I'm sure they've been testifying, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake, all the doors get open, everybody's bands fall, and this guy wakes up, he sees the doors open, he, he figures everybody's gone, everybody just left, so he's going to take a sword and kill himself, because he's like, I'd rather just kill myself than let them do it, because he thinks everybody escaped, look at verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Isn't that a, I mean, that's a miracle in and of itself. All these prisoners stayed. They didn't run away. Look at verse 29. Then he called for a light, and sprang in. And notice, I, lo- I love how the Bible, you know, paints this picture. And came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice he has a very specific question. What must I do to be saved? And they said, repent of your sins. Is that what it says? And they said, get baptized. Is that what it says? And they said, get catechized. And they said, go to a confessional booth. And they, no. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Isn't it amazing how consistent the Bible is? 
What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And by the way, thy house can be saved as well. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Notice, this guy's getting saved. So what are they doing? They're speaking. The soul winners are taking the word and explaining it to the sinner. It's the same thing every time. Look at verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Let's read verse 33 again. And he took them the same hour of the night. It's midnight. This guy just got saved. And what do they do that same hour? It says, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, because they got beat up before they went to prison, and was baptized, he and all, straightway. So notice, he got baptized immediately. When did, you can go back to Acts chapter number 8. When did the eunuch get baptized? Immediately. He got saved in verse 37, he's getting baptized in verse 38. And the, the prisoner got saved. So when should we baptize people? As quickly as possible after salvation. You say, oh, should we, you know, churches say, they, they believe this. Oh, uh, you know, well, you got saved, we're going to put you through a six-week study, and, and you go through this study, we're going to teach you all about baptism, we're going to, you know, give you a little certificate, and then we'll baptize you. That's, a, that's unscriptural. In the Bible, when did they get saved? They got, they got saved, baptized as soon as possible. In the same hour. So, you know, at Very Baptist Church, what do we, we want to baptize you as soon as you get saved. You get saved, you get saved Saturday, we want to baptize you Sunday. Now, that's not always possible. Sometimes people say they can't do it. But you know when we try to do it? As soon as possible. Because that's what the Bible says. We try to get you underwater. Try to bring you back up. Look, if you don't go all the way down, we're going to do it again. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying? We're trying to do it biblically. We're trying to do it the right way. I don't think Carol went all the way down. We're going to have to... No, I'm just joking. But, we're, you know, we're trying to just do it the way the Bible says. And we ought to... And this is why, this is why Wednesday night Bible study is so important. You know, because on Sundays we preach sermons, and that's fine. You need the preaching. But going through the Bible verse by verse, and learning it and explaining it, because the Bible says that you ought to be able to have an answer. People ought to be able to ask you, hey, how do I get saved? And you'll be able to explain to them from the Scripture. People ought to, you know, people ought to ask you, so why, why do you get baptized that way? And, and you understand. Or maybe you got baptized. Maybe somebody explains to you, why did you get baptized? You should be able to explain to them why you got baptized. That's why we want to teach you the Bible. And you can understand the Bible. Look at verse number uh, 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, until he came to Caesar. Here's what I think is interesting. Philip gets this guy saved. Philip baptizes him. The moment they get out of the water, the Bible says the angel of the Lord caught him up. He just, he just got warped out. He just disappeared. You say, man, well, well, isn't that kind of messed up? You know, who's going to disciple this guy? And look, I'm all for discipling. You know, I'm all for teaching people the Bible. But here's the thing. Here's why it's not messed up. Because before he didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now he does. So you know what? Now he can go back to Isaiah, start reading it, and he'll understand it. Now he can go back to Isaiah. And this is what you got to understand. You should be reading the Bible at home. Say, so, well, well, what, you know, who's going to explain to me? If you're saved, you'll get it. You won't understand everything. You know, no one understands everything. But you'll get something. You'll start learning it. You ought to be reading the Bible on your own. Look, come to church, and we'll preach to you. We'll teach you the Bible. But this, this ought to be like a night out. Church is like a restaurant. You know, you got to be feeding yourself at home regularly. You know, I mean, nobody goes out to eat three times a day. 
You know, you gotta, I'm talking about physically, you know, you make your breakfast, you make your lunch, you make your dinner, maybe once a week you go out and get a nice meal somewhere. That, that's spiritually, that's what you ought to be doing. You ought to be opening up the Bible, and every day, feeding yourself, learning from the Bible, and then church is just, you know, you come to church, you come down to, to a Verity Baptist restaurant, and I'll feed you up a nice meal from the Word of God three times a week, but you ought to be feeding yourself on a regular basis. Think about it physically. If you only ate three times a week, physically... In a few weeks you'd be dead. <laughs> or very skinny, very frail, very weak. So you ought to be reading the Bible and studying it on your own. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord so much for your word.